0: If you brought your copy of God's Word, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we want to look at verse 17 through 34, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 through 34. I'm sure it's from a familiar passage of Scripture, but uh, we want to look at this passage as we think about the Lord's Supper this morning. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Now in this time, I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Paul is addressing the church at Corinth. He says in verse 18, For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are proved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's supper. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What? What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in, or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this way? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread, drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread, and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Think with me just for a moment. It's 11 a.m. on Sunday morning in an average church in an average town. The people have gathered for worship. They look nice. The service is orderly. The music was great. The sermon was informative. At noon, the doors are opened. However, the people leave the service worse off than when they arrive. Doesn't that amaze you? You see, it's not enough for things to look right. We might have the right attitude in our hearts when we come to worship. But at times we get kind of sidetracked when we're at worship. God intends for you to benefit. He intends for me to benefit from worship. And when we leave worship, God wants us to leave refreshed. He wants us to leave excited. He wants us to leave encouraged. And this is not taking place at the church at Corinth. Why? Because they didn't have the right attitude when they came to worship. Now, I want you to notice Paul uses some words there in verse 17, 18, and verse 20. He says, when you come together. The phrase means that when you come together in worship. When you come together. When you come together in worship. Those words are very important because when we come to worship God, we want God to be real to us when we come into His house. We want to have a worship experience. We want to say and feel as though that I've been in God's presence, or we've been in God's presence. We want to experience, we want to truly experience worship. Now, you can sing, and you can clap, and you can raise your hands, and you can say amen, and you can say praise the Lord, and you can say glory, and you can give, and you can look good. But if you're not careful, you'll leave worse off than you were when you came to church. He says there in verse 17, Now in this I declare unto you, that I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. They were not leaving better off, they were leaving worse off. So the point is, if you don't have the right attitude on the inside it really doesn't matter about the outside. It's all about the inside. and That was the problem at the church at Corinth. And Paul gives an example. They were desecrating the Lord's Supper of all things. Now, how were they doing that? First of all, they were having no communion. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, Paul uses, uh, refers to the Lord's Supper as communion. Because God had communion with Adam and Eve. I mean, He walked and He talked with them in the cool of the day. He had communion with Abraham. He, he visited with Abraham and spoke to Abraham. He had communion with Moses. As he had Moses to lead his people out of Egypt, he had communion with the Israelites. And then God's communion stopped. And his people didn't hear from God between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Some 400, some 700 years. And then when Jesus came on the scene, at his baptism, God communicated with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is in the water. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit makes himself known in the form of a dove. And then you had God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Then you heard a voice from heaven that says, Behold, this is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. So there was communion with Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. So therefore, God wants to have communion. He wants to have fellowship with you and with me each time that we meet for worship. So when we come together, this ought to be a sweet communion with each other, but also with God. This ought to be a, a sense of fellowship. There, are, God ought to, there ought to be a sense of fellowship with God and his people when we meet together. However, the church at Corinth would come together, but uh, they remained apart. and that's something? They'd come together, but they would remain apart. You know, you can have a full house in attendance, but at the same time be apart. Or you can have a small crowd spread all over the area and be together. So what's the problem? There's no communion in that church. There's no fellowship with God or with each other. You had commun you had no communion. You had you had division. That's why there was no communion. It was division. We we get our word scissor, English word scissor, from the Greek word division. It means to cut up. It means to rip apart. And so you had division. People at Corinth, they were in. They were dividing. They were being ripped apart. They were choosing sides. Some liked the preacher. Some didn't like that preacher. Some liked another preacher. Some liked Paul. Some didn't like Paul. So. They had their sides, and they had this side against this side, and that group against this group, and you had this clique, and you had that clique. You have to be careful in church with cliques. So when that happened, there at the church, they lost their communion with each other, their fellowship with each other and with God. Look at verse 19, chapter 11 says in verse 19, for there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. He used the word heresies. Her- the word her- heresies means to separate. It means to choose sides. The word really here doesn't refer to heresies in doctrine, but it refers to it in spirit. Whose side are you on? Are you for it? Are you against it? So Paul says, when they came to church, they divided into opposing groups. There were divisions. I understand, he said, I hear that there's divisions among you, and because of that, he says, I can't praise you. So they desecrated the Lord's Supper because they had no communion with each other and with God. But also, they had no comprehension of worship. They know what worship was about. I'm afraid we're at that point today in a lot of churches. They failed to understand what worship was about. They failed to understand that uh, the meaning of the Lord's table. Look at verse 20. When you come together, when you come together for worship, therefore into one place, this is not to eat. Uh, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating everyone taketh before other his own supper and one is hungry another is drunken so the Lord's supper had became their own supper lost its effect lost its meaning lost its purpose now don't miss the point here the point's not a verse teaching against the fellowship Paul or fellowship suppers or eating in the church you know it's not teaching that the point is Paul was making you have lost the meaning and the purpose of the Lord's supper you just count it as a regular supper you see, in the New Testament, the church would have a fellowship meal prior to the Lord's Supper, and that was an agape feast. Agape meaning love. It was a love feast. And the church would come together, the rich and the poor, and they would have this fellowship meal. It provided a time for people to have a time of fellowship. And after that meal, they observed the Lord's Supper. However, this love feast became, it became shameful. Because instead of the rich and the poor coming together and sharing with each other, they lost fellowship, they lost communion, they they wouldn't sit with each other, they wouldn't share with each other. They separated themselves. And in doing so, they desecrated the Lord's Supper by just being self-centered. Here's the point. You can't worship God under those conditions. I don't care what you say. You can't do it. So the question is this. Is your worship self-centered this morning? Is it all about you? Or is it Christ-centered? I read an illustration years ago where an angel carried a deacon in a dream to view uh, a service at his church. And as they looked down over the church service, the congregation was singing, and after the singing, no one was saved. The choir sung, and no one was saved. And the Solo, no one was saved. Had the praise band, no one was saved. The preacher preached, no one was saved. What's wrong with, that, with our church, the deacon said. And the angel replied, these people worship God with their lips and not with their hearts. That happens so often in our churches today. Here's the point. If you don't come for the purpose of worship, if you don't come to study your Bible and, and, to, and to make a personal application after the sermon today, you'll return home worse off than you came. Desecrating. Worship. Then there's an explanation of worship described there in verse 23. He describes the Lord's Supper. He says, For I've received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. This came directly from the Lord. I'm going to share it with you that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. So he describes the Lord's Supper. He says, first of all, there needs to be a recollection. There needs to be a memory. Verse 24, and when he would given thanks, he break it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup. When he supped, saying, This cup is New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so when we come around the Lord's table, there must be a recollection, there must be a remembrance, remembering, you know, consciously calling to our mind. When you come to worship, you're to remember. I mean, when you come to worship, use your mind, pay attention, recall just basic truth about forgiveness and repentance and salvation and eternal life and heaven and hell and faith. We need to be doing that as we observe the Lord's Supper this morning. We need to use our mind. We need to call into remembrance those things that we're to remember. Verse 24, he says, he took the bread. He said, after he'd given thanks, he broke break it. He said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. We know that the bread didn't become his body. Now, some, some of our friends Catholic friends believe that it actually becomes the body of Jesus Christ, but but it it doesn't because he was was in his physical body standing there before them. Then he takes the cup there in verse 25. We know then that that didn't become the literal blood of Jesus as some think today because the blood was just streaming through his veins at that time. He was speaking to them, but he speaks of two symbols that remind us of what Christianity is all about. The body of Jesus, how it was broken for us. Think, remember, remember his back being scourged. Remember the crown of thorns being placed on his forehead. My body was broken. Remember remember his cheeks and how his beard was plucked out. My body was broken for you. Remember how his... His hands were nailed, His feet were nailed to the cross. Remember how His body was broken for you and for me. Remember how a spear pierced His side. Remember His body, how it was broken for you. We should never forget His body, that it was broken for us. Never should forget that He was our substitute. Should have been you on that cross, should have been me on that cross. We should never forget His body that was broken for us. And then the cup, when Jesus took the cup there in verse 25, He was referring to the Old Testament Testament covenant, covenant, which was sealed by animal blood. Sacrifice was made, took the blood, sealed that covenant. But in the New Testament, the new covenant that God made with man on the basis of grace through faith, was made and sealed through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Two symbols, the essence of Christianity, the symbols of salvation. So you have the explanation, so you have a, reckon, a, a remembrance. You have a proclamation in verse 26. Look at the proclamation. For as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. You show, you, you tell again. This table, This table before us preaches a sermon. See, Christ is the Savior of the world. So when we gather at the table with the spirit of unity, with the spirit of oneness, recalling the death of our Savior, the laws will be drawn to Jesus Christ. But uh, they won't be when there's no communion, no fellowship, no worship, no comprehension of worship. Don't expect them to. So, friend, listen, there's something wrong with our worship. When we come into God's house, and we see Christ's death symbolically placed before us on a table, and we don't have any desire whatsoever to tell anybody about that. So there is a proclamation. But notice As I close, there's an expectation. Look at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He come. So when we come to the Lord's table, we are testifying that Jesus Christ is coming again. I believe soon. And so when our health is poor... When the economy is bad, when businesses are sagging, when things are happening in our life, we come and take the bread, we take the cup, and we remember till He comes, whenever that will be. And we've not truly worshipped unless our spirits have been lifted and we have contemplated the glorious return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's coming. This says he's coming. So there's a recollection, there's a remembrance, an explanation, a preparation, verse twenty eight through thirty-four. We read that. So don't come to worship unless you're prepared. We we're you know, we come to worship as spectators sometimes. But we're to be the participants. There's only one audience. And that's Jesus. The rest of us, the Bible refers to as worshipers. And then you have a personal examination. There's, there's only one worthy person when we think of worthy. Worthy is the Lamb, Revelation 5, verse 12. But the, but, but the supper, it's for the unworthy. And it's through Jesus Christ and my faith and trust in Him that makes me worthy. Look, if you will, at verse 29. He says, For he that eateth this bread unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation unto himself, not discerning the Lord's body. The word discern there means to see. So if we come to church... And we don't see that we're unworthy. We come to church, and when we worship, we come and we see Jesus. And when we see Jesus, we'll see ourselves. And when we see ourselves, we're not going to be happy about what we see. Verse 33, he says, Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. When you come to worship, tarry one for another. Don't be self-centered. When you come in these doors to worship, think about who you can speak to. Don't, don't come tap me on the shoulder and say, who is that couple over there? When you come to worship, tarry one with another. Go find out who they are. Go speak to them. I've seen them four or five years, just haven't met them yet. My goodness, tarry one with another. When you come to worship, tarry one with another. Speak to people and and pray for people and encourage people. And when you tarry one with another, I'll promise you, based on God's word, you'll leave better off than when you came. Desecrating the service, no communion because of division, no comprehension, no understanding whatsoever of worship. And then there's an explanation. There's, you need to remember, you need to proclaim, you need to show forth and tell. There's an expectation because Jesus is coming again, and there's a preparation that we need to discern, look at ourselves. And there's personal evaluation there. And all of this was why the church at Corinth was... Uh, leaving the church building no better than they were when they came in. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, thank you for a challenge this morning. Thank you for reminding us about the worship, especially when we gather around the table. I pray for each person here this morning. Give us an opportunity, we pray, that you've spoken to our heart through your Holy Spirit. We'll begin to evaluate our lives. Oh, God, please, please, don't let anyone leave and be worse off when they leave than when they came. Speak to our hearts. Convict us of sin and of unrighteousness. And, Father, that we might repent and turn and, and Father, come back into that sweet fellowship that we should have with you. I pray for every person here. And I pray that you'll speak to hearts this morning. Help us to remember, Lord, if everything goes right as we would see it on the outside and there's things wrong on the inside, Lord, we will be worse off when we leave than when we came. Help us to get those things worked out, that we can be worshipers, that you'll be pleased in how we worship, And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website. Thank you, and may God bless you.